What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. My name is Ben Rayside, and today joining me, as always, is the partner, the co-founder of this podcast, Mr. Ethan Westloff. Ethan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm Batman. Hello, I'm doing great, and I'm ready to talk about all the news of this week brought us we we have so much to discuss over this this uh podcast and i don't i don't know does, does comic con even give us this much news that we got this week because this was a ton they call the super bowl the biggest event in the world for a reason and yeah whether you're a sports fan or a nerd who's a fan of everything in the fandoms there's something for everyone and oh boy there was something <laughs> there was a lot well, this week there was already a lot this week and then yesterday kevin feige had an entertainment weekly article released and even more tidbits got thrown on top of that so yeah we we, we have a lot to break down and who knows if we'll even get to all of this right just to give you an overview we're going to talk about the super bowl trailers first and then we're going to go through the news of this week we got some uh new a new spider-man show to talk about which is a, a big piece of news and then we're we're going to go through this article because kevin feige opens up about phase five kang and the future of the mcu which is very interesting and very revealing for the future of marvel so we have got uh, a jam-packed news week, as always, and we're also gonna we're also gonna give some final predictions for Quantumania Ooh. as that comes out tomorrow. So we're ready to go see that. All my buddies got tickets for that movie, except for my brother. So who knows what he how who knows how he's gonna see it? But I know that me and you are gonna be sitting our butts down tomorrow since, night. Yeah, since since we're on the topic, let let's just talk a little bit about Ant Man. Ant Man two or three is officially the second rotten film in the MCU. I, you know what? I didn't even write that down. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's insane. What's it? Isn't it? I think it's in the 50s right 53, now. 53, I looked this morning. Yeah. Whoa. Which is hovering around the range, I think, where Eternals ended up at like 49. And yeah, who knows? I mean, Rod Sabanos is by no means the de facto uh, leader when it comes to reviews. And they've said movies are good when they're not. And they've said movies are bad when they're not. So... Uh, yeah, I'm excited for whenever Rotten Tomatoes is wrong covers that. But yeah, let, let's dive into these Super Bowl trailers, Matt. Yeah, so the first one I want to talk about, there was four that we I want to cover. And the first one is Indiana Jones. They released a 30-second TV spot, which was basically more or less basically like a short like version of the main trailer. You get more indie shots of him, you know, uh, aged down and it's definitely going to be an epic movie but i, I don't know I, that was certainly not the big ticket item but i am certainly excited to see an indiana jones movie back on the big screen i've never seen indiana jones in theaters same so yeah that's going to just be special in and of itself even if the movie is you know i, I have my reservations about yeah. this one and another uh news bit that came out this week about indiana jones was it is uh, the eighth most expensive film of all time. Expensive? Yes. What, they do all the spending on the DAG? It must have been. <laughs> we do see a shot in the new uh, TV spot where Harrison Ford does his best Tom Cruise impression as he jumps out of the <laughs> the plane. I mean, to be fair, he looks very, very good. That might be the best example of the de-aging technology and how far they've come with it. 
Like, I don't know how you feel about the Luke in uh, Mando and Book of Boba Fett. He's good, but there's just something off. And, uh-huh. Well, I mean, we'll see in the movie, but all the trailer shots make him look seamless. Like, it looks that good. And I don't, I've never been a big guy who, like, is concerned with the ethics of that. If you can do it, I say well, you should. Harrison Ford also is still alive, so it's different. You know, if we're talking about dead Harrison Ford, then I, we got a problem. But yeah, I, th- I think it's all right, and uh, just make it pay off in some way. You think there's a problem if if a person is not alive anymore and they use their face? I don't like that. I think it's distasteful, See, wh- even if there's permission. Why not though? Like, what? What's what? I get it for like the family purposes, but if they're okay with it, I just don't like. I it. say let's do it. I just don't like it. Doesn't it hardly ever looks good, and it just feels wrong. But we're getting to a point now where you can make it almost seamless. Yeah, but Ben, say you're dead and your family approves that you're put in this movie and then your legacy is tarnished because whatever you did in this movie is terrible. Well, that, okay, so that that's <laughs> interesting. But I think the way they use Tarkin in Rogue One, I see no like issue. As long as it is respectful, obviously. like Only the big budget movies are going to use this stuff. And obviously the family would need to sign off on how it's used. So, I mean, yeah, if it's disrespectful, then we've got a problem. But I think, and I hope that people are smart enough to realize that, hey, listen, we're dealing with someone who is not alive anymore. Let's make sure to not tarnish the reputation of, you know, let's not speak evil of the dead. You know, there's the a golden rule in society. I've never been, I've never had the biggest problem with it. You know? All right. Say this. We're watching Fast 10. Paul Walker walks onto screen. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? <laughs> See that? Now that's interesting. Yeah. I would need to know how that happened. That's what, that's what would immediately I would go, okay, how'd they do that? Mm-hmm. Why, why'd that happen? Mm-hmm. And it also depends on how he comes back. Yeah. Because if he, if they give him like a little shot or maybe just like it's the back of his head and it pans around to a wide shot of, you know, an actor doubling as him and that's it, you know, like, it would depend on how they would do it. But then again, there is the point of movie studios just need to use caution. You know, like you are handling precious materials. Mm-hmm. I think they have enough wisdom to deal with these characters respectfully. Yeah. But that's just me. That's how that's how I feel. You think Fast X does or the the Indiana Jones franchise? Like, see, that's the thing. Or Disney. I, I don't think that... Th- like, I think there's a genuine possibility that they do in some way bring Paul Walker back. Like, I think that's genuinely on the table because right now he's hyping this up. Vin Diesel is for like the biggest thing ever. And I'm like, I mean, they've already kind of teased it in like nine. They had the, the car show up at the barbecue. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they use some sort of de-aging technology. Yes, yeah, so we're going to save this for later in the show, but since we're on Vin Diesel right now, this week he uh, said he relates to J.R.R. Tolkien, <laughs> and he says, it's so hard to continue mythologies. No one thinks about it in that context. So uh, essentially Vin Diesel is saying that <laughs> him and J.R.R. Tolkien are on the same level 
in the worlds that they've created with the fast X compared to the Lord of the Rings universe. I don't even know why that's even in the same. I mean, clearly the fast and the furious franchise is so much better than Lord of the Rings. It's not even close. Not even close. He should have picked like the MCU or something like that. Yeah. Something trash. I don't know. I don't know why he, why he said that. Like, like why, why would he compare himself in any way to J.R.R. Tolkien? I meant to look up his full, <laughs> full quote for more context, but I think that would only make it worse. So I, I, I like, I like just him randomly saying, you know, he, he made multiple languages for his, his books, but you know what? I, I think driving a car off a cliff, that was hard. <laughs> like there, that was hard. There's a reason we're not covering the the fast X trailer because I mean they they basically showed you the movie if you haven't seen it yet don't see it if you're a fan of those movies I don't know I I have zero absolutely zero hype for anything going on in the Fast and Furious franchise even if they're going back to their roots and you know going back to racing you know I just the whole franchise is stupid and now they're bringing back more dead actors you know, I, they're just doing it for money at this point. It's so clearly obvious. And I, I, I see no passion, passion behind it. But you know what I do see passion behind? Super Mario Bros. movie, man. The trailer that they put out for the Super Bowl was absolutely fantastic. If it, you're, go ahead. Yeah, if you missed it, go check it out. It's a 30-second TV spot. And basically, it pays homage to the, the Super Mario Bros. TV show from the 90s and it's like we're the Mario brothers and, and it's just really cool. And they even, there's a lot of tidbits that they throw at the end. They have call this number and then they have a website listed and we actually did both. We called the number and we went to the website and all really cool stuff. They really put their work into this off screen stuff. I love it when movies do that because the most recent example of that is the Batman where you could literally go on a website, Rada Alada and figure out Riddler mysteries. The, in like in real life aspects of big budget movies makes it that much more seamless. And I mean, you said it work that they didn't have to do. Everyone's going to see the super Mario bros movie, but the fact that I have a contact in my phone with an image banner that says the super Mario bros plumbing, that's just cool. I really enjoy that. And I mean, whether or not the movie is good, I cannot wait. Have you seen anything that indicates that this movie won't be good? Well, I, I have my reservations, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It's a video game movie. The Sonic, I mean, I haven't seen the Sonic movies, but I hear that. This is completely different, though, from the Sonic movies. No, the, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying that this is another animated uh-huh. film. I mean, I guess Sonic isn't really animated besides no. his character, but I just, the font, I, I wonder how they're going to translate this because they. this is something they haven't done yet. Mario is so beloved to so many people for the same reasons so they could get it wrong if they do it plus the voice cast that's yeah. interesting yeah. you know I, I we really still haven't heard the f- true mario yet we i don't know if how he sounds will really matter because he the world is still there the the characters are still there it, it will be fun like even me who is the farthest thing from a video game fan i was raised by the gamecube and the wii you know, Mario is just that core part of growing up and any little thing they throw in there is going to be beautiful. Even in one of the other trailers, when it ends with them driving the carts oh. on Rainbow Road. Yeah. Oh, man. Come on. 
So the way The Last of Us has approached video game storytelling is really fantastic. I never played the game, but there are scenes that I've seen online comparing animations that Joel does from like moving objects and uh, the bloater tearing the guy in half. And I, I just, that is seamless, taken straight out of the game. And so I hope that the Mario, like Mario Bros does that to where I am immediately reminded of games I played, Super Mario Sunshine, Mario Kart, anything like that. Like the, <laughs> the whole red shell sequence in the most recent Mario trailer is fantastic. And I, did we talk about last week, the, the, um, Pedro Pascal on sketch that I don't think we did. That was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go to SNL and check that out because it's fantastic. The last of us style mario bros trailer a dark and gritty one it was a lot of budget thrown into it is what it seemed like and i i couldn't be happier with it it's it's hilarious so whether or not it's going to be good i know i'm certainly going to be there and the the mario bros ad that they threw in for the super bowl was definitely a, a fitting touch um but i think i think we're all going to be very touched when guardians 3 comes out in in may because oh, yeah. you said it you said it on Sunday. You were like, the reason we're excited for this movie is not the usual reason we get excited for Marvel movies. It's the way we used to be. It, this is really a reminder of what the MCU should be and needs to get back to is just the characters in the movie are what I want to see. That's what I'm going to see for. It's not the introduction of the next big bad or, oh, the potential cameos. No, it's I want to see the Guardians interact and have relationships formed and just explore the galaxy that's what i want to see and i'm just so excited for this and it's really like one one of the last few movies for marvel that is really just like i need this if you know what i'm saying you feel the integrity behind it you you know that this isn't going to be reliant on elements this is james gunn and he is here to tell a story you know say what you want about ant-man but the reason people are seeing that movie is because of kang the reason i'm going to see the guardians of the galaxy is because i am in love with these characters and i know that the story that james has has been thought of in his mind mm -hmm. since he was incept like the inception of guardians back in 2014 it sit here and just think like ever everything we're excited about for the most part one person is behind it it's james gunn and I, I want to highlight, my brother text, texted me during the show four minutes ago. Uh, my brother Jared, he said, here, let me, let me read the text. He said, for the first time in years, I'm not planning on seeing a Marvel movie on the opening weekend. I am ready for the DC universe. Whoa. Yeah. Did he give a reason? I'm, well, I'm, I'm sure we can infer the reason. But I'm sure it's just all of phase four and then the, the negative reception that Ant-Man's been getting. Because, oh, that's... That's unfortunate. But I think his exact text is what's resonating with a lot of fans, and I'm feeling it a little too. I am. I still am super excited for Daredevil Born Again. Blade seems to be coming out soon. Secret Invasion. Uh, Guardians 3. There's a lot that I'm excited for, but I do feel what he's voicing here, that maybe the, the hype is gone. And we'll we'll get to talk about that plenty when we dive into the Entertainment Weekly article yeah. that Kevin Feige did. Yes, because I think his comments are very important to you know take into consideration when it comes to the future of this universe that has has left fans feeling very jaded over the past you know three years. 
but um, a fandom that has been jaded for the past uh, 10 or so years is the, the DC universe. And you know, obviously we're, we're talking about James Gunn. We're talking about Guardians and his new DC plan is, is huge and expansive and it's, it's very ambitious. And it looks like all of that starts with The Flash. And I mean, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, you're doing something wrong. If you if you were a fan of DC, if you were a fan of the Snyderverse, if you were a fan of of Michael Keaton's Batman from all the way back in 1989, there's something for everyone in The Flash, which is weirdly titled because that trailer had just about everything else that you could possibly want in like a justice league type film i mean straight out of the gate the flash trailer for the super bowl made me so excited for the future of dc and that movie specifically that i went back and i watched two full episodes of the cw flash series yesterday oh boy that was how excited i was (laughs) for dc and where they were going i also watched like almost every breakdown imaginable on youtube that they had for that trailer and the more i think about that movie the more i get excited about the possibility for where it goes and where it ends because general zod which i can't believe that he was in the trailer is not he is not the main villain we don't really know who the main villain is there's speculation but where this movie could go has me so excited. There was so Brian at, at Menards, he, he texted me a super long text, and it was based on one shot from that trailer, and it was the Batman shot, frame for like suit for suit. He broke down each one because he is a massive fan of those Batman. And the, the original Batman suits. And he was like, okay, maybe this is what happened here. Maybe this is what happened here. It has fans a buzz in yeah. a way that hasn't happened, honestly, since No Way Home. Like, if you want to be specific here, the hype that this trailer created. I mean, you're feeling it, right? Oh, I'm for sure feeling it. I uh, Also, credit where credit is due. James Gunn should not be like the one. Oh, you're the Flash. You're doing it. You're doing it. Because this movie was well into development already shot and edited and probably basically done when James Gunn was handed the the keys to DC so this movie was already happening so so uh credit there to what what is it who who was running DC back then I don't even remember um Walter Hamada I, I I'm pretty sure but I, I mean this this is all a, a big big credit goes to Andy Muschietti the director of the movie, because he, he's fantastic. He did the It films, if you've seen those. Incredible direction, whether you like the f- movies or not. Like, he has a vision. And you can tell that there's vision put into this movie. And I, I want to I get... What are you most excited about? So this is Flash so goes? weird, because I... Um, I don't know. I, I've seen the Keen Batman films. I thought they were fine. I mean, it's definitely different time. They're made for different age of comic book fans. And I'm, I know that when they came out, those were the talk of the town. They were the de facto Batman, the de facto superhero movies. But for me and for you, I'm sure they just fall flat in comparison to what we grew up with, with the Christian Bale, uh, Christopher Nolan movies. You know, those are those are Batman to us. But man, when Keaton shows up in this trailer, 
You get excited. You get excited. You're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You are Batman. You are Batman. You see his Batcave and oh. then the, the Affleck suit, the, the gray and blue <laughs> with the yellow belt. One of it the looks best awesome. suits we yeah. have seen, yeah. dude, straight up. I, I don't know how they did it. They pulled it off. I, he's got some weird, like, I, it's not like camel, but it's like armor, I guess you could call it, on his suit. It looks so good. It looks so, so good. The amount of Batman we're getting, it, it's weird. It's called The Flash. The reason I'm excited for this movie is Batman. Well, I do want to... So Ezra Miller, obviously, so much, yeah. so much that he's done off screen. But I was telling you this the other day on screen. I enjoy him as a flash. I do. And I know you disagree with I that. I do not. Yeah. I really love the childlike energy he brought to me. That was why I loved or I loved is a loose term. Why I enjoyed the Zack Snyder Justice League because of everything they did with Barry Allen, the speed force sequence. Come on. And just I thought he was just a really fun character. And I thought they did him the best, whereas everyone else kind of they didn't fall flat. I just wasn't the biggest fan of it. So I I do like Ezra Miller's portrayal and not to say I support anything he's done off screen. Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there who share your opinion. I just grew up with, you know, three to four seasons of Grant Gustin. And I take more of the heroic slash stoic side of the flash like that's the side i relate to more to me it was like they said we want spider-man we want a spider-man character in the justice league Mm. and then they just took all of that and put it into to me that's not who barry allen is he was cracking jokes and many of them did not land it felt very mcu humor i mean it was toned down and most of it was fixed in you know the snyder cut but there was still there. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't and think I, he's I the right. I never saw the first Justice League. The oh, Josh, man. You're the a lucky Josh, guy. The Justice League. You know, <laughs> I, I never watched that. But I do want to highlight here that uh, an article came out this week talking about how Zack Snyder supports James Gunn's decision to reboot. He's done. Yeah. He, he's moved on. I wish he would come back. My top, if I could have a movie that I could, that I would pick out of anything, I would pick his nightmare movie. Mm-hmm. Like I want that movie so bad, but I think he's done. He's got his movies and Netflix, his star Wars thing that he's doing or whatever. It's not actually, but it's a space adventure movie. I think he's done. Yeah. He's had enough. He came back for his swan song in the Snyder cut, which was great. And he's moved on and I really they are friends I really think he does want to see the best things happen with these characters yeah my question is would you rather see this new DC slate that James Gunn is working on or would you rather see the Snyderverse continue without Zack Snyder at the helm because all in all it sounds like Zack Snyder's done either way yeah no I if if the Snyderverse were to continue you'd need to have Zack Snyder there Mm -hmm. that like that's where I would want to now the question then becomes like I I would still even with all these announcements under the direction of a new head would rather have Zack Snyder finish what he started and expand upon this because I like almost everything to do with the DC universe the way it is now. I'm not saying the future isn't bright. It's very epic. Like it's just that if they would have gone forward with their original plan we would have had a Green Lantern movie, a Cyborg movie, a Flash movie, another Wonder Woman movie by now. Even more than that, who knows what they would have done by now. But Warner Bros. and the leadership there, 
did not know how to handle a cinematic universe. No one was ready for that. They wouldn't let Zack Snyder do what he wanted. And we are here now. And I am beyond excited for what's to come in the DC universe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's going to, I mean, it is going to reboot, but I am excited to see where it goes. But is I am, there a baton being handed off? Will all the Marvel hype hop onto DC? Because I'm even feeling it. I'm feeling it. I am ready for DC. I'm ready for right. what James Gunn has. And not to say I'm going to ditch Marvel altogether, but is there going to be that shift? So I, I was thinking about this the other day, and it, it's it's still even to this day a wonder how Marvel is bigger than DC. Because DC DC's characters are so unbelievably iconic. And it, it, it takes a movie studio as bad as Warner Bros. to mess this up because by all accounts, even with Marvel's hype, DC can still be epic. And it, we talk about it all the time, but Feige and uh, John Favreau built an MCU around a man who wears an iron suit and they made us cry at the end of 24 movies that, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, Tony Stark, man. He's he's nothing compared to big hitters like Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, but he was the heart of that story. You can say what you want, but I don't think that James Gunn. I, he, I know he knows how to inject heart into his stories, but I don't think he will ever reach the heights that the Infinity Saga was able to like do. I, I just don't think that's possible. The way that and he did, Marvel that. won't be able to meet that either. Probably again. not. No, definitely not. I'm, I I know for certain it is just a completely different landscape now. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to talk about a ton more. We'll keep referencing this, this uh, Kevin Feige article we're going to read at the end. But and it's also because right now there's also it's primed for D.C. People are desperate. You like it or not. Yeah. They're tired of the MCU formula. And I, I've seen a lot of reviews. I watched Jeremy John's review yesterday of Quantumania. He says the MCU jokes still are rampant throughout Quantumania. And I think people are tired of every character feeling the same. The MCU humor and DC is notorious for taking its characters more seriously than Marvel's. Do. I mean, the Batman was one of the darkest films that I've seen. I loved it for that, though. The tone of that movie needs to be there. And if Marvel is going to, Marvel needs to fix it and make their movies more unique. And what Kevin Feige does say in here, I mean, there there is credence to that. Yeah. And what they can do in the future. Like, I just, it's interesting because everything points to them keeping it more lighthearted. You know, Daredevil could be that dark and gritty show. Moon Knight could have been that dark and gritty show, yeah. but it's more lighter tone than I would want. Daredevil is looking to be that way as well. So I will say this, as far as a baton being passed off, it's a little unfair to say right now because of all the flash hype. Yeah. Because that trailer, yes, there, is a, sure. there is a statistic that came out today. It is the, uh, what was it? Here, I've got I've to pull up. Let me pull up the, uh, the statistic. The flash trailer was the most watched Super Bowl trailer since 2018. The most watched, which means I'm assuming they're referencing an, uh, Infinity War because that came out in 2018. I'm assuming that's what they're talking about, which is insane. That Reaching those numbers, this movie is going to take the world by storm. This is in my top three. This might be my number one mm. most anticipated movie of this year. I think, I think Mando, Ahsoka, and Loki 
beat it out okay. as far as projects go. Yeah. But as far as movies go, this might take the cake. I'm not going to lie. Just, just, just from that trailer, that's how good it looks. I have my reservations about Ezra Miller, but seeing Ben Affleck on the screen was a, a treat thing to behold. Might be my third most hyped movie. I still th- put Guardians 3 above it and Mission Impossible 7 above it. So mm. we'll see where where it shakes out. But I j- just want to highlight for the people who are feeling, who are listening to this and are cold on the MCU, something that we've been doing on our Marvel movie marathon is we've been revisiting the early MCU films. And man, Iron Man, Thor, we're going to watch Captain America this week. Man, it there is a magic to those early movies that the current MCU does not have. It just simply doesn't have it. And uh, also, we'll go, go watch the three seasons of Daredevil on Disney Plus. If you have not seen those, that will rejuvenate or give you a new spark for the MCU. And just just love that. There are a lot of stories that are told. And even uh, we will have some Blade news later today. But go watch the original Blade trilogy. That's great, too. If you're hoping for dark and gritty MCU, it's there. It's certainly there. I mean, even in the original phase one, I mean, they're not dark. Yeah. But everything is taken so seriously and it's so nice. And we'll talk about dark coming up. But uh, Kevin Feige reaffirmed what we already knew. You know, Deadpool 3 will be rated R. Mm. So will Daredevil Born Again have a more mature tone? We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. What we got anything else to say about the flash? I, I am so looking forward to it. And General Zod was my most like surprise. I forgot he was in this yeah, movie. Yeah. And to see him taking as central a role, I am so excited. A uh, small note, if they play his theme, I'm gonna go ballistic. This is theme in Man of Steel it is. Are you gonna cry? Oh. This is like <laughs> if they release another trailer, like yeah, it, I'm not going to cry, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. So, uh, oh, I wanted to say Christian Bale is not in this trailer. He is not in the trailers at all. Uh, I, I've gotten two people who have texted me. That's Christian Bale on the bad cycle. It is not Christian Bale. Now, I will say this. Yeah. It is confirmed that we, I, heavily rumored, I would say, that a Batman, a new Batman, or a, a different Batman the than Keaton Affleck. Old Batman? I'm not sure if it's that yeah. one. But a different Batman than Affleck and Keaton is going to appear somewhere near the end. Now, whether or not that's Bale, whether or not that's the new... I, I believe James Gunn said it was a new actor on Twitter. But I'm just going to say right from the bat that I'm not going to count a Christian Bale cameo out just yet. I'm not going to count that out, nor will I count out a Henry Cavill cameo. I will say, however unlikely I think it is, I think that it is very possible that we see both of those. Well, I say, I say above all else, I think a Cavill cameo is for sure more likely than a oh yeah a Bale cameo because mm-hmm. I mean Bale recently said that he wouldn't come back as Batman unless Nolan was at the helm. So. Uh, we, we've had actors lie before. I mean, Andrew Garfield, prime example of this. Did a fantastic job at uh, convincing us. I mean, we all knew he was in the movie. I'm not the werewolf. I'm not the werewolf. You got that iconic clip. But yeah, that's I, I wanted to add that point of saying, no, he he's not in any of the trailers, though I wouldn't count him out yet. So uh, that's it for Super Bowl news. Um, 
unless you want to talk about the Super Bowl, I think we should move on because we have. I do want to say that the best uh, commercial, in my opinion, was that uh, the popcorners, Walter White, Jesse Pinkman, Tuco Salamanco. Oh. oh, yeah, that was that was beautiful. And I, I'll dive into my first bit of news for this week. Uh Walter White's iconic whitey tidies from the first episode are available for bid until the 27th of February. Their starting bid was $1,400. His underwear? His iconic whitey tidies, Ben. Yes. What? Don't you want a worn by Brian Cranston himself? I don't, but I'm sure there's people out there who do. Oh, that! How cool would that be to have in your trophy room, framed whitey tidies, Brian Cranston from the pilot of Breaking Bad. Oh yeah! I mean, it's probably weirdly enough a very valuable item, which is that's <laughs> that will be in a museum for sure one day. Oh my gosh! Something else. Barney is getting a new series in twenty twenty four. They're doing that even after all the crap about the actor. I don't know, new, new Barney. The, the cinematic universe of Barney has to live on, Ben. I guess so. I just always assumed that that was always on the air. They were always doing new stuff. Speaking of new stuff, the new Scooby-Doo Scooby project, Velma is getting a season two. <laughs> what? Yes. How? I don't know how. I don't know, Ben. Have you seen... Have you seen I have not watched Velma. I've... But have you watched seen many people watch Velma? Okay, there you yes. go. That's all. That's what I was wondering because I did the same thing. That show looks so bad, <laughs> like absolutely horrible, dude. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons growing up. I was raised by Scooby Doo, though. I love Scooby Doo. Which, which, I love which the show? world. Uh, Scooby Doo, where are you? What's new, Scooby Doo? Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, the big hitters. Scooby Doo, Scrappy. Uh, Scooby Doo, get a clue. Yeah, I, yeah. Scooby Doo. Where are me. you? That's the one that I watched yeah, too. Yeah. And I, oh man, when they made those Lego sets, sorry, this is a tangent, but when they made those Lego sets, I always wanted the mystery machine, dude. And now that set goes for so much money, especially the, the haunted mansion with Velma. Sorry. If, if you like Legos, that was, that was who that was for. But also, if you like Legos, this summer, a Spider Man No Way Home Lego set is rumored to be released. I don't know how it hasn't even been done yet, but you have to assume that all three are going to be in there. I mean, the rumor says that they are going to be if in there. If they do it right, all three Spider-Man are going to be in there. The Statue of Liberty will be in there, and the, all the villains will be in there. Maybe we'll get a Ned, an MJ, and a Doctor Strange. It, it could be a crazy set. Like, it could be. That set is one of those things where I'm like, if that set's out there, I don't care. I don't care if I'm a broke joke. That set will be in my collection. If you have all three Spider-Man, dude, are you kidding me? That's insane. I'm, I will be copying that day one. It's a day one cop for sure. Uh, I've got a, I got a piece of news here. So, Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. All those sequels are in the works. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you interested in any of those projects? So my problem with Toy Story happened when 4 came out. I thought four was terrible. Yep, me too. Or not, not terrible, but what it did for the legacy of the first three wasn't great. And it kind of tarnished an ending that was great. So in my opinion, why not do a five? You already did a four, ruined the legacy. Why not do a why five? Why not do a five? Make more money. Give us these characters again. 
whatever. It's fine. I did. Really? You, yeah. You've already, you've already done too much. Why not do more? That's how I'm feeling. I, cause I, I, I have no interest in this. Mm-hmm. I went and saw this movie because apparently it made everyone cry, but I was like, Toy Story 3 already did that to me. Like, what more can they do? And I was vastly disappointed by Toy Story 4. And I think that's the general consensus of the population at this point. But I I, I mean, Frozen, they don't need to do another one of those. I think do original stuff, man. That's what made Pixar so great back in the day. Why are we doing these sequels to movies that no one really enjoys anymore? You know, Toy Story is iconic, but I don't want a Toy Story 5. If you want a Toy Story 5, let us know. But I don't, think, I don't think there's people out there that want that, even. Zootopia, I, 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 I don't even remember the first. I, I don't even think I saw Zootopia. You never saw it? No. No? no. How about Frozen? You've seen Frozen, right? Oh, of course. Would I've this be Frozen, Frozen 4? 3. 3, okay. So 2 came out a while back. I went and saw that with my little sister, and it was fine. We can agree Frozen 1 is great, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's an iconic film. Like I, I don't. I will not diss Frozen. We've talked about it before on the podcast. I'm pretty sure when we ranked <laughs> billion dollar movies, oh, Frozen's yeah. epic. I love Frozen. Uh, another movie that's very epic is uh, Deadpool, and uh, we've had some recent uh, news about Deadpool three this past week. A couple items. The first one, which came out uh, about a week ago, was that uh, the story which focuses on Deadpool three, the multiverse which apparently Deadpool 3 is a multiverse story. I didn't know that. Like I knew I figured Wolverine that. was going to be in yeah. it, but the multiverse will reach a breaking point mm-hmm. in Deadpool 3, which is also interesting because that movie comes out right at the start of Phase 6, right before King Dynasty and Secret Wars. So Deadpool 3 could turn out to be a much more important story across the MCU than we thought. And it's interesting because it's rated R. Why would Kevin Feige put all this? I mean, everyone's going to see this movie. I don't care who you are, whether it's rated R or not. This has the potential to be the most highest grossing like rated R movie out there. But multiverse will reach a breaking point, bro. Yeah, yeah. How many original X-Men characters could we possibly see in this movie? Well, speaking of that, Patrick Stewart was told to stand by for X3. Or not X3, Deadpool 3. He's been told to stand by. Yeah, an article came out this week. Just quote, stand by. Dude. Which, I mean, we got Hugh Jackman coming back. Professor X already came back in a Multiverse of Madness. He was, he was old, though. Like, <laughs> even in Multiverse of Madness, I was, I was looking at him, and the, some of the action scenes, I was like, dude, this guy is old. Well, he stars in Picard right now. So at least he gets to sit in a chair playing Professor X. Chill out a little bit. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. But, like... I don't know how, I mean, Harrison, Harrison Ford's still going at it. So I guess how old can you get? Speaking of old though, Amazon, along with their Silk TV show, uh, we, this week it's confirmed. It was rumored and now confirmed that Spider-Man Noir is getting a TV show live action on Amazon. And I, I didn't know this, but apparently that's where Sony is going to send all of its, yeah. uh, projects for Silk, live Silk's action been in the work for a lot longer have they started filming for that i don't think so i'm not sure they'll tell us when they tell us yeah because apparently craven the hunter's done but we know nothing about that 
I was surprised we haven't seen a trailer for that yet. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had a Morbius trailer two years before that was out. Yeah, so yeah, but we all know what how what what happened there. But uh, are you are you in for this? Are you in for a Spider Man noir story? Well, I'm in for a Spider Man noir story for sure. But am I in for a Spider Man noir story that Sony is telling? I don't know. I don't know because uh, Morbius, the Venom movies, the dudes behind Spider Verse are uh, attached to write and direct though. Yeah. Yeah. So that does get me excited. That does. So let's see. Let's see. Nick I, Cage? I mean, I did. <laughs> yes or no? Nick Cage or should go with a new actor? I think they're not doing Nick Cage. But would you want to see? <laughs> would you want to see Nick Cage? Uh, <laughs> that's the question. That's a question. That's a question. Uh, I don't know. You know, can I re-answer this question after we watch Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance in two weeks? I'm going to answer for you. No. <laughs> He's good as the voice actor, but I don't want to see Nick Cage as a, a Spider-Man noir. Sorry. That's just not for me, though. Nick Cage is great, but I, I want to take the show seriously. And I, I can't really take roles that he inhabits seriously, as evidenced by Ghost Rider. Things that were once taken seriously. The Walking Dead universe. Mm. The Rick and Michonne show... It's beginning filming this week. So any, any thoughts on that? Uh, it's so 2024. That's when it's going to come out. Um, I'm, uh, that's basically the last thing in the walking dead that I will actually like watch day one. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the Daryl show. I'm not sure about this Michonne. I mean, I'm not sure about this uh, Maggie and Negan show, especially after hearing that the Maggie and Negan show is going to be Herschel gets uh, taken and they have to rescue him. That was their early plot leaks. That just sounds like a show I've already seen. Yeah. Mandalorian. So I'm not, but I mean this though, this is where I'm excited for, but it's going to be interesting because Rick is at his best when I think he's leading a group mm -hmm. and obviously he's not going to do that, but I watch anything with Andrew Lincoln's Rick. Like Rick is going to be great. as Michelle. And those, those are really the two standouts from the walking dead. And it's cool to see them get their own show. Yeah. Now, will it be good? We can't say that. We can't say that it hasn't even been shot yet. So let's hope, let's hope it's good. Let's hope the script is good. And the story is good. The six episode format has me a little worried again, because obviously, I mean, I've been burned with that many times by the Marvel universe. Yeah. So, and this we know was originally supposed to be a movie. So yeah, six I, episodes is not good. I but, really hope, but they 18 do that. episodes, that is good. So Christopher Brewster, who was the stunt man for the original daredevil show was not asked to return for daredevil born again. Boo. That is not good. That's not good. That is one of the uh, worst things I've seen come out this week. Because the best thing, one of the best things about that show was the, the choreography. Man. Obviously, yeah. The, the two best things were Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio. You got those back. Third best thing, yeah, that choreography was fantastic. So why wouldn't you want him back? It is disheartening to hear this. It is. So uh, <laughs> let's go Daredevil Born Again. You got a, you got a high bar. You got a high bar. And I, what I've heard about Daryl Born Again from the, the article, the interview Kevin Feige did, I'm, I'm excited to talk about, but mm. we'll, we'll dive into that later. And uh, something else, uh, John Favreau received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this week. 
Much deserved. Much deserved. His work and everything. Like, he should be one of those like Disney legends or whatever. Like they should put him in the the Hall of Fame or whatever. Because his work for everything. I mean, he is. He's on the Walk of Fame. He is. <laughs> oh, is that what this is? That's what I just read. I thought you said he was like a star. He received a star on the Walk of Fame. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, wish granted, I guess. I have no idea. What did you think I said? I thought you, I, he received some award, I guess. I saw that too. I didn't think it was like anything, but wow, okay. That's great. Well-deserved. He has done so much for the, the film industry, man. Well-deserved. He should have gotten one for Elf. But the fact that you know all that stuff for the MCU and Star Wars, you know, that's 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 great. That's great. Uh, you know, you know what's not great though is, um, well, I mean, that depends on who you ask. But uh, a new image of the Joker was released yesterday for Valentine's Day. We just have Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga getting a little smoochy smoochy in the prison cell. You know is what it looks like. I'm already not on board for this, <laughs> but the fact that you you're gonna add. Uh, uh, a very sexual element to this movie. Come on, that's uh, that was a Valentine's Day post, Ben. Nothing says true love like the Joker and Harley Quinn. <laughs> Which is very odd, because I'm like, apparently they've started filming this. Are you even going to see this when it comes out? Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it for sure. We're going to have your buddy Nick on, too. To just, just, yeah, there we go. Oh, how the mighty hath fallen. It's going to be a fun day for us when that movie comes out. Because it's interesting, though, because even Joker fans don't want this. Yeah. You know, like, it's going to be a musical. Is anyone excited for this? I mean, even looking at comments, I'm I'm like, do people want this movie? Do people want a Joker 2? I don't know. I mean, the first one was great for a lot of people, but (sighs) I I don't know, man. When we do our DC rewatch of every DC movie ever put to theaters, we'll talk about it. But that'll be in like 2032. Um, what is also long is um, John Wick. John Wick 4 is two hours and 49 minutes. Uh, if you're a fan of those movies, which I am a huge fan of those movies, um, I don't know if I'm so happy about this. I'm not going to lie. Have you seen the John Wick movies, first not. of all? That is something you that I have to oh. get on because when the new one comes out next month next month yeah so i, I gotta get on that they're really great but each one i would say dips like half a point mm. in quality and it's because they are doing a lot with the story the first one was very self-contained which is why it was that good i mean they're all great the f- choreography is great like if you ask me that's who they need to get for daredevil born again the choreography guys for john wick but this is a long movie, man, and I, 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 I'm afraid this is going to turn into an event, a Transformers type deal, to where it's just nonstop action, and it's just you almost get bored because of that's how much that's how much action there is in this movie. So, uh, that that's all the news that I have on my list. I, I want to yeah. talk about uh, a specific subject afterwards. Anthony but, yeah. Mackie says Cat Four is beginning filming next month. So Next they're going to start shooting that. Yeah. Okay. All Get right. excited All right. for that. And then Beef, a new A24 film starring Steven Yeun and Ali Wong premieres on the 26th of April. So Beef? Beef. Yeah, A24. So the studio that brought you most recently everything everywhere all at once. And Steven Young, who uh, played Glenn, Glenn on The Walking Dead. Glenn's so, in it. Yeah. 
I never saw. Did you see? Um, nope. I did see Nope. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, rating out of ten. Just out of ten, uh, yeah. uh, seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Seven. All right. All right. All right. I got to get on that. I just recently had to rewatch Get Out for school and. Oh, you had to do that. How? No, how like man. I should. I, I shouldn't have said that because, like, <laughs> you got le- to. Legitimately, that might be one of my favorite non-franchise movies, mm. like ever. Like, it's a good movie. That movie is so good. The way it's shot, like, we had to um, look in depth at it with like, well, like film lens goggles. Like the first time I watched, it, I was watched as a fan. Yeah, but this was like watch for these things. That's what I was told to do. And the lighting, the shot, the set composition, it was, it's that much better. It's Get Out's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it yet, go do yourself a favor. Yeah, get out of here. Go watch it. There you go. There you go. What else you got? That's it. That's it for news other than this big Entertainment Weekly article. So uh, one thing I did want to talk about, though, is Internet spoilers. It was just pissing me off earlier in the week, man. I Everyone is still online. There's there's spoilers for Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And everyone's like, why would you be posting these spoilers? Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, listen, listen. All right. The review embargo is up. The movie is out in theaters tomorrow. And, and yet you'll still see people complain about spoilers. If you are complaining about spoilers, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. You're an idiot. <laughs> Whoa. Do not go on the internet. If you if there is something you want to see and you haven't seen it yet, don't go on the internet. It is completely and solely your fault. I was getting so annoyed with this earlier because I'm like, I, I had something spoiled for me for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. And I'm like, shoot. You had something spoiled? Yes. Yeah. Not big. I would tell you and I'm sure it would be fine. But I didn't. I would rather not know this going in. And I actually think you know about it. You actually, you told me what it was without oh, telling yes. me what it Got was. It. And then when Got I found it. out about it, I was like, that probably was what you were talking about. So I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I think we both know what we're talking about. Yeah. And it was like, dang, I, w- I wish I didn't know that. And then also I'm like, it's kind of my fault. Well, for example, Micah had got uh, the three Spider-Men spoiled for him, but he was on Google and a Google article popped up and you got Multiverse of Madness spoiled for you because you were on YouTube. Yep. So, yeah, there. it does suck that uh, you don't have to look it up or anything. It just comes and finds you. Your algorithm knows, hey, this guy's a fan. He probably wants to see this. So that does suck. That aspect of it does suck. But you also do have to put in your own uh, walls and put up your own boundaries and protect yourself from the spoilers. If you're invested in this stuff, it's going to be, it's going to find you. I was beyond pissed when I found out and was spoiled that Captain America lifted Mjolnir before the movie came out. You got spoiled? On YouTube. I went on YouTube for some reason the day I was going to see it and I saw the hammer lift. And at the thumbnail said Captain America lifts stores. And I was like, oh, crap. That's like that one sucks. of That's one of my all time favorite experiences ever during a movie. I didn't get to experience that. Genuinely. That sucks. Yep. Yeah. And so, it, I mean, there was a lot to experience in that movie. I wish I had that. But that's my fault. That is my fault for going on the Internet during that time. I shouldn't have gone on the Internet. You can't avoid it. Now, should those people be posting spoilers? No, no, don't post that stuff on the internet, but you can't control everyone. So 
you yourself take the precautions. I'm tired of listening to people go, spoilers, oh my gosh, oh, why'd you do this? I'm like, give it a rest already. Don't go on the internet. I don't know. I'm sorry. I wanted to rant about that. We can talk about this article now. <laughs> Which is I mean, a place where you'll never get things spoiled is uh, here, right? We, we do a decent no, job. No, I, the, the biggest thing is preserving the integrity of the first watch experience. Like that is so huge for everything that, I mean, we're all about. Because you can't take that moment away. Endgame is so exciting and Infinity War because those moments are moments that you'll never like relive again. You know, I want to relive that when I'm in the theater and I'm having the reaction of the crowd around me, you know, so that that's just me. And I, I don't I, we, you won't get spoiled here at Multiverse Monologues, but uh, you someone you will not get spoiled by, even if, you know, he almost spoils something at the Quantumania premiere. Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige. The man himself. So Entertainment Weekly sat down with Kevin Feige and they asked him a ton of questions about the future of the MCU. You know, those 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 snipers were they were they had the day off because Kevin Feige was in front of cameras. The Feige snipers were not there. And he I mean, in his usual way, he really gave more than he usually does here. So how we'll do this is you'll ask the question as the interviewer and I will play Kevin Feige and I will give his answer because some of the stuff that he says is really interesting and we'll honestly just go question by question. So, all right. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just read it word for word. Let's start with Ant-Man. Why was quantum mania the right film to kick off phase five and introduce Kang the conqueror? And Kevin Feige says, well, we wanted to kick off phase five with a team of heroes that you already know. We knew that if we were going to do another Ant-Man film, it was always the idea to spend the majority of the time in the quantum realm, this place you've heard of in various movies and seen glimpses of. We wanted to actually explore it. When we were making the earlier films, we saw the visuals of the quantum realm, like, see that back there? That's a city. See that over there? That's a whole civilization. We were hoping that one day we could explore more of it. And for years, we've always had the inkling that Kang would be an amazing follow-up to Thanos. He's got that equal stature in the comics, but he's completely he's a completely different villain. Mainly that's because he's multiple villains. He's so unique from Thanos, which we really, really liked. And in the early days of Quantumania, test audiences, Jonathan started to pop up in a big way. He's the biggest, the highest testing villain we've ever had in any of our friends and wow. families. That's really saying something with a movie like this. Yeah. Even early on without the effects, Jonathan is his own effect. He was working from the start. He's always, it's always one of the fun roles of the dice that we do at Marvel, which is to say, hey, we're going to make multiple movies around this character and we're going to start before the audience has even had a chance to meet him. We really go all in on the ideas and this casting. It was a big relief when the season ender of Loki season one happened. People really seem to be on board for Kang. People are chanting Kang when Jonathan goes on talk shows and Kang, they haven't even Kang, seen him in the movie Kang, yet, Kang. which is yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. And something I, I really wanted to highlight that beginning paragraph where he says he he's comparing him to Thanos and he says he's got equal stature in the comic, but he's completely different villain mainly that's because he's multiple villains he's so unique from thanos which we really liked yeah so we know quantum mania not well received but kang kang overall is sounding like he is going to be a good threat everyone that i've seen who talks about this movie is mixed on the movie but kang they love 
everyone says Kang is an outstanding villain. And so that's what I'm there to see, dude. So I'm I'm happy. If I walk away saying Kang was an immense threat, I'm good with that. And I mean, even if he's not an immense threat, I love how he says uh, that's because he's multiple villains, Mm. multiple Kangs. Maybe the Kang we meet in Ant-Man kind of sucks. He's played perfectly by Jonathan Majors, but maybe he's not the biggest threat going forward. And there will be another Kang because who knows what Kang we're going to see in uh, Loki season two. Is this the Kang that's taken over the TVA? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know that yet. Maybe we have a TVA post credit scene. That would be really cool. I'm probably thinking there might you be. You think there might be? That like, would be really cool. Like Loki was huge. It was the most watched MCU show. So Marvel would probably go that route and give us something. Because, I mean, there's two post credit scenes. Stay tuned for that in the Quantumania. But there's two post credit scenes. And test audiences have said that they are the best that Marvel has to offer so far. I did hear uh, Greg Alba from Real Rejects say that the first one he thought was really corny. Mm. So we'll see. We'll ju- be the judges of that did ourselves. Did he say anything about the second one? He said the second one is good. He okay. did. So All right. uh, he said the first one played like a joke. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, next question. What was it about Jonathan Majors that made him the right fit for this? Like you said, he's playing multiple versions of this villain. And Kevin Feige says, I mean, the last man in San Francisco was a huge reason we cast him. Quantum Media director Peyton Reed was a proponent of Jonathan's from the very start. We knew we were casting him for at least Loki season one and Quantum Mania at the same time. Working with both the Loki team and Peyton and the Quantum Mania team, we thought Jonathan would be incredible for their different incarnations of these characters. And spoiler alert, he was. And everything they've said in recent interviews has gone to suggest that. Yeah, and I, that's just so cool. They they got to cast him for this movie and for Loki at the same time, and they just like you know Kevin Feige when that Loki finale came out. Oh, please, please like this, please. And I mean, it it was very well received. Me and my brother James, yeah, I got home from work and raced downstairs, and we both sat on my TV. We watched the Loki season finale, and he was so it must have been hard to watch it while sitting on your TV. we had that thing planned oh dude it was it was so good man all right next question i know that you're calling phase four five and six the multiverse saga all leading up to 2025's avengers kang dynasty and 2026's secret wars how are you thinking about phase five specifically is there a through line or a general theme Well, it's really a classification system for the audience that's following along. It's to keep track of how these pieces fit into place. I didn't really talk a lot about the overarching themes or direction of Phase 4 until afterward, in large part because we are always adapting and weaving as creative demands and new ideas come up. But I would say in very generalized terms, as you see in Quantumania, it's about setting up the big overarching thread that will go through the next phases. Not in every film in the Infinity Saga focused on the Infinity Stones or Thanos, and it'll be the same thing across phases 5 and 6, but we're gearing up. People will get a taste of this in a big way in Quantumania as we lead to Avengers Secret Wars, which I am extremely excited for. You know, I'm coming up on 23 years of Marvel. That's a long time. It's not quite half my life, but it's almost half my life. Many of us have been together for a decade or more, and we only do it because we are so excited and in love with the potential 
for what we can do ahead. The storylines that we weave together through phases 5 and 6 into Secret Wars and the opportunities that the multiverse brings storytelling-wise, it's a whole new aspect to the MCU. So, I mean, he, the fact that they already have an idea for Secret Wars and the fact that Quantumania is building towards that. Yeah, yeah. Whether this movie is good or not, it's going to be important. It's going to be important. Yeah. And the, <laughs> he's coming close to doing uh, Marvel for half his life. And we'll, we'll talk about that more because he he says something later in the article that is pretty crazy. But uh Let's go on to the next question. Phase four was a tr- transitional era. Several of your original cast members left after Endgame, and you introduced a whole new group of heroes. You also started to embrace television, launching multiple shows on Disney+. Plus. What were some of the learnings or takeaways from some of these projects? So th- this is interesting, and this is this is Ben talking here. He says something really interesting here about, I mean, we we've, we've been... The MCU shows as a whole have not been the greatest, but what he says here is pretty interesting. So he says, I hope we learn something new on every project. I was very pleased with everything that we did. Kamala Khan, for instance, as is a great new character in the Pantheon. I'm very proud of the Miss Marvel show. I also know, and this is a spoiler, she essentially steals the Marvels, which is coming out July 28th. It makes me excited that people will, I hope, see that movie and then go back and revisit those shows on Disney+. The fun thing about streaming is they are there forever, and people can keep re-exploring them. Moon Knight, same thing. I think there's a future for that character as we move forward. SNL did a skit this week. Did you see it? The one about how many shows there are right now? Yes, I did. I do think uh, one of the most powerful aspects of being at Marvel Studios is having these films and shows hit the zeitgeist. It is harder to hit the zeitgeist when there's so much product out there and so much content, as they say, which is a word that I hate. But we want Marvel Studios and the MCU projects to really stand out and stand above. So people will see that as we get further into phases five and six, the pace at which we're putting out the Disney Plus shows will change so that they can each get a chance to shine. Yes, that is something that we were voicing a ton. Man, these shows are coming out way too quickly, and they kind of aren't good. He he seems to be addressing that right here. He says, "Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna release them a little slower. We're gonna put more time, and we want everything to be uh, what 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 did he say? Uh, he want just basically want everything to be good. Essentially." He even Kevin Feige was like, all right, maybe this is turning into Wait a second quantity over yeah, quality. Yeah, yeah, which is good to see. You don't want ignorant leaders of no. companies. He knows. He's not stupid. He sees what we're all seeing. And I mean, even this year is an example of that because we got, what, four shows last year? And this year there is Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and maybe Echo if it finishes. That's it, I think. So it's already less. I don't even know if Echo's going to happen. But I mean, the two shows that are coming out this year for sure are shows that I'm actually really excited for. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm glad he's taken this time to realize that, hey, maybe we don't need all of this content. Yeah, and a, a lot of people voice that. A lot of people say, wow, this is, this is just too much. It's mm-hmm. not very good. Maybe I'm just done with Marvel altogether. And we'll talk about it later. But he does compare the cinematic universe 
to a comic book universe mm. and how not every piece of media will relate relate to everyone and how you know because i don't read every comic book no. i read what i find interesting and what i think is like oh people say that's good that's what i read and i'm wondering is that gonna happen to these movies say someone born 15 years from now it's like oh you don't have to watch every movie but these certain movies those are great those mm. are great ones and i'm I'm feeling like, especially with what Kevin Feige says later, that is something they kind of want to strive for, I think, which is weird. It is weird. And I think being a MCU completionist will become right. a rare thing. Like, I'm one of them. You're one of them. Yep. Micah Hett is not even one of them. There are things that he has not seen. So it we'll see as time goes on which people actually keep up with everything. You know, I think of, <laughs> you know how they bring on like talk show hosts, like on the news, like one day it'll be me and you and, and our job title will be MCU expert. Oh, know? heck no. <laughs> and it, it'll be like 2050 and it will be in like phase uh, 12 and they'll be like, all right, so how does this relate to everything? You are an expert. You grew up with this stuff. You've seen this movie. Right. Well, and, with Ant-Man, <laughs> when I was reading my look out for the little guy, yeah. uh, Ant-Man book. It actually says this. No. You don't even need to read comics. I'm, I'm just thinking about yeah. Eric Voss in 15 years. That man will be the MCU expert. Yep. That He'll guy. Be on talk shows. Oh, man. Talking about it. But uh, when regards to the pacing, uh, the interviewer asked Kevin Feige to, uh, almost a clarification question. So when you say the pace will change, do you mean spacing them out or putting out fewer shows a year? And he says both, I think, which is true. And then the next question, you talked about how you've been at Marvel for 23 years. It's been about 15 years since Iron Man and Quantumania is movie number 31. And 31, which is so weird because Baskin Robbins, they have 31 on everything. That's pretty weird, right? I love, I love <laughs> his response to that. He's like, oh, here, I'm the interviewer again. That is weird. You should take credit for that. Say it was planned. Kevin Feige is like, right, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I'm curious, as you continue to grow, does it ever start to get un, uh, wildly, wildly? unwieldy? Unwieldy. All right. Does it ever start to get unwieldy? How do you balance telling stories for the hardcore nerds who have seen the past 30 movies while also trying to find new audiences? We've tried to make that our methodology since the start. If there's a Marvel Studios method, like there was a Marvel method in publishing, it's trying to do both. I've talked about this for years. If you want to dip in and out and just go to the movies on a Friday night or watch a streaming series, you can do that. And if you want to follow along, there's certainly much more to be discovered. But we don't ever want it to seem exclusive or that you need to have done your homework before watching something. Now, I've also realized that a lot of people like to do their homework. A lot of people find the fun in homework and the continuity and the connectivity, but it's a balance of always trying to do both. She-Hulk, for example, was an experiment. Let's just do a legal comedy. What if Ally McBeal was a superhero? But we do a legal sitcom with an ex incredibly extensive, expensive CG character in the middle of every episode. And I couldn't be happier with the tone that Jessica Gao has set for that. It's a very different tone that many of the, our other projects have. And that was totally intentional. I think that when we are doing about eight projects a year, and again, I said this is going to shift a little bit, they all have to be different. They all have to stand apart and stand alone and be different from one another. 
It's like when people go to the comic shops. There's Spider-Man and the Avengers and the big title ones. And sometimes you pick up a one-off or an experiment from an artist or writer that you're a fan of. That's why the comics have been around for 80 plus years. And I want Marvel Studios to be around for that long, if not longer. So we have to continue to do different types of things. Does everything have to appeal to everyone? It would be nice, but I think that's impossible. And if you try to do that, you're going to find yourself in such a small funnel and pipeline that things will get similar and boring and atrophy very, very quickly. So, Ethan, let me ask you. So much. There's a lot there. there. Yeah. Did you feel that the eight projects released last year, were they different enough and unique enough? Uh, Not, not... Basically, is what he's. Do you agree with what he's saying? Do you do you from your experience? Do you think that what he's saying is true? Well, here I liked what he said about how. Oh yeah, you'll walk into a comic shop and you'll always go for your Avengers and your Spider Man, which is true. There will never be a day where we don't flood to the theaters to see a Spider Man and a Avengers movie, and he Mm -hmm. sees that. But he says, all right, maybe. Maybe people will pick up a She-Hulk every once in a while. Or maybe people will tune in at Moon Knight. Like, his goal isn't to get everyone to watch everything. We're going to watch everything because we're fans. But he's saying he wants to create something to where uh, the, he does want this to last. The longevity, the 80 years is what stood out to me because, uh, yeah, comics. Comics don't end. You can, every week new comics release you can go to the comic store get new comics that never ends people still read comics now do tons of people read comics no and does do people read every comics no but they read what is interesting to them and i think this is really interesting it really is so interesting that he's saying that and he acknowledges yeah not everyone's gonna love she hulk not everyone's gonna love wandavision which i mean a lot of people did but he's like the big the big stuff People will all see that, but we, we kind of want to build a world and kind of create points for different people to jump onto. And I find that really interesting. I don't completely disagree. I kind of, I mean, I kind of pictured an ending to the MCU at some point, but Hey, you're right. You're right. We will be MCU experts. If they keep this up, do you want 80 plus years of Marvel studios, television and films? Dude, we're going to be so smart. <laughs> right well, we get it later in the in the article but they are 31 movies in they haven't even touched the fantastic four they haven't even touched the x-men what he says in the x-men is really yes. interesting yes so uh here next question or do you have anything else you want to add no i i just it's going to be i i always anticipated there to be like i mean yeah they were going to dip into this but like I don't even know if superheroes are going to have that. So it'll be funny. Forward. There's like different comic runs, right? Like, oh yeah, the the Daredevil, Frank Miller run. That is great. You know, d- different things that people like. I, we're going to start saying that about movies. I feel like, oh, the Infinity Saga run. That that was beautiful. Uh, the Multiverse Saga, whatever. The Mutant Saga. That was pretty good. It will be weird to look at it in 30 years because they're going to keep going. They just are. There's no reason not to. They're still making millions and millions of dollars. And for the most part, what they're doing is pretty good. So we'll have to see after Quantum Mania. But yeah, next next question. You talked about embracing television and how that was uh, new territory for you. What were some of the biggest adjustments that came out of that? 
I guess the learnings have been that you are rewarded creatively and by the audience by going to unexpected places. We always knew that to a certain extent, but it's fun to see. We want to do shows that can only be shows. I want to continue to make them even more episodic, which may seem counterintuitive, but I do think there is something fun about leaning back and watching an episode that can be relatively self-contained. Lost was an incredibly influential show because it was this serialized story, which was not seen in television much. Now it's been how long? 20 years since then. Almost everything has become like that. So now, and I think you're seeing this not just with our shows, but with many other many other shows, you're starting to see the fun of a self-contained episodic story week to week. We're going to experiment with that in some of our upcoming things. So a little bit of a, a, a loss drop by Papa Feige himself right so there. He makes a very interesting point. So for me who loves television, that is what television is now. It is overarching stories. It is, uh, as we'll see in the next question, it's an eight-hour movie split up into eight episodes. So I really, if if I were to read this a year or two ago, I'd be really mad because mm. I love overarching stories of seasons. I think that's where s- shows shine. But I do think there is something really good in episodic television. For example, right now I'm watching Poker Face by Ryan Johnson, and that is very much episodic. Within every hour, you get a, it's a murder of the week show. You get a murder set up. And then you get to follow the main character as she follows this murder and as she connects everything. It's written very well. It's directed very well, shot very well. It feels like a new movie every single week. Hmm. So I'm saying if Marvel can do this with, say, uh, Daredevil Born Again, if I get a new Daredevil Born Again movie every week, that would be awesome. I would love that. I do love overarching stories, too, too, though, which Loki for sure will be an overarching story. They're not going to get into episodic television there. But I do think that there's a benefit to this kind of storytelling. And if if it's done right, though, because you do get into stuff like, oh, the Bad Batch, that's just a filler episode. Sure, it was a self-contained, had a beginning, middle and end, but it, it was pretty boring. So you have to find the balance of that. If you can strike the balance, I think you've found gold. Rolling right off that, so kind of bouncing off the same thing. That's cool to hear. Nowadays, so many TV producers and showrunners like to pitch their shows as eight-hour movies, but I think you're right. There's something special about a really great self-contained episode of television. Yes, I mean, cliffhangers are great, and I like watching a show where you should go to bed, but... You should you should see the cliffhanger and you just have to watch the next episode. You certainly want to keep people engaged. But I'm also a big Star Trek fan and I still find it soothing to watch an episode of Next Gen with a beginning and an end. So I think we're going to keep experimenting with that going forward. Yeah. Which so, is great. More of what we just talked about. Yeah, yeah. beginning and end. That That is really cool. Some of the best episodes of television have a beginning and an end. It just, it's how it goes. Like you... Sure, you like being thrown into the middle of a narrative, but good episodes can stand alone on their own. You you know what I'm thinking of? What? You think about Lost? You think about The Constant? I, I'm, that is exactly what I'm thinking Yeah, of. so The Constant is... I love that episode. It is very part of the narrative. It is. It's part of the show of Lost, but it is also self-contained. You can sit down and watch it and go, wow, that was good. That and was good. The best episodes of TV can do that to perfection. Yeah, I think so. Instead of making one eight-hour movie, you can make eight-hour-long movies. That, that's, yes. We need to go back to that.
And I like uh, that Kevin Feige is saying that. I know. It's really cool to see. They just have to do it right. They have to write it right. Yep. And that's going to be the hard part. All right. I'm curious. One of the big introductions in phase four was mutants. Namor and Kamala Khan are both explicitly referred to as mutants. What can you tell us about how mutants and the X-Men may or may not play into the future? You know, I think we've said the word once. Kamala talks about it, a genetic mutation, and Namor refers to himself as a mutant amongst his own people. And mutant is a really genetic term, not just a comic book term, but part of the fun is that I've been at this company for half my life, and we're just now tapping into arguably one of the biggest Crazy. aspects of the publishing Crazy. history. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable, and it's a testament to the House of Ideas and what Marvel Publishing has done these 80 years. The question is, how to do it and when to do it and that's something we've been working on for years now we know but we're not going to talk about it <laughs> so he has a story he he's does. got a story he knows how they want to do it the, I, I mean keeping it close to the chest we're not going to see it i think what he says until their plans until about 2026 that is what is so crazy the x-men are huge to marvel and they haven't even touched it in the mcu they are 31 movies and they haven't even touched the x-men now, what they can do, there's still so much Marvel can do, and we're, we're, we're losing, losing steam because of the quality has kind of dipped. But if Kevin Feige, which we know he can, can get back to overseeing really quality content, the MCU can be right back to where it was. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, everyone says, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with superhero movies. I'm done with that. Why are you done with that? Because everything seems the same, and it seems kind of generic. If the storytelling is there... A good movie is a good movie. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's superhero or not. That's what those early MCU films were all about. They were good movies. You could watch them as separately. So they need, they need, they to, need figure to get that back out to again. that. And yeah. we're going to have a prime example. And we're going to talk about a lot of this when we talk about Quantumania. Oh, yeah. All right. That's fair. I'm curious what it's like for you to be thinking about mutants again, especially because you started your superhero career producing the X-Men movies. It's amazing. And we've got Hugh Jackman coming back for our first Deadpool film within the MCU. That's our first rated R film. To have Hugh come back is incredible. For me personally, that's where I started. I remember sitting behind the camera, well behind the camera, at his audition for the film. It was his first onset audition, and we flew up to Toronto to do a read with Anna Paquin. For him and for me, and I think for all of the fans of Marvel, it's unbelievable what has happened in those 23 years. It's very full circle having him come back in this new Deadpool film. So we talked about it being rated R, but this is right from, you know, the man the horse's mouth, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's so rated R. Can't argue with that. Nope. Our, that's our first rated R film. So yeah, where blade falls on that. We'll see. We'll see. Cause but, yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you've also got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming up, and James Gunn just took that big job at DC Studios. He tweeted that he spoke to you when he got the job. What was the conversation like? And this is interesting. It was not dissimilar to when we talked about him doing the Suicide Squad. I said, that's awesome, and I can't wait to see it. I've never been shy about loving those characters. I had Superman posters all over my walls in my childhood bedroom, and I went to work for the Donners, Richard Donner and Lauren Schuler Donner, because of Superman. The notion of these characters being in such good hands uh, with James is exciting, and it's very cool after he finishes Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, of course. And I like that, I mean, the whole notion of the, this rivalry between Marvel and DC has always kind of annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. 
It's dumb. Like this is it's me dumb. talking now. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, it's so dumb. As I'm a fan of both, I want to see both succeed. I'm in this for good comic book yeah, storytelling. So DC kind of was the the little dog that got kicked all the time. It was like, oh DC, you suck, man. Look at the MCU over here. I feel like the MCU, while they're still going to be putting out stuff, the overall majority of people are they're going to switch. They're going to start kicking Marvel. Marvel, you suck. You making movies for babies. DC's out here making uh what this flash movie they got uh all their other dark tones with the new superman or or that's gonna be full of hope but the batman the brave and the bold i think it's gonna switch and let's just nip it in the bud right now let's love all this stuff and just root for it to be good uh koi jandrew came out on twitter which he says a lot of stuff on twitter you can ignore a lot of it but uh, when he's talking about marvel stuff or talking about superhero stuff that's when you can be like all right this guy this guy knows what's up, but Koi, he he basically was really mad at how Ant-Man, Ant-Man, uh, Quantumania got rotten on mm. Rotten Tomatoes, and he was mad at seeing how everyone was very happy. They're like, yes, Marvel's getting what they deserve. Let's push them into the ground. And he's like, why can't we just collectively root for these movies right. as a whole? Let's just band around them and root for them. And that, yep. that, that's where I stand. Yep. I just want these to be good. That, I mean, it's stupid to do that. Like, yeah. why root for the downfall of content that you are going to see or not see, I guess. But like, what? I, I just want good storytelling. I don't know. I, I'm with Koi on this one. Right, right. <laughs> so I'd like to run through some of the other phase five projects that you have in the works and get some updates on them. Let's start with the Marvels, which you already mentioned. What can you tell us about this dynamic between Brie Larson's Carol, Iman Vellani's Kamala, and Tenoya uh, Paris's Monica. That's what the entire movie's about. There are fun cosmic elements to it. Marvel comic fans will recognize elements of the Kree-Skrull War, and it's picking up directly after the end of Captain Marvel 1. Not in timeline, but in story. We also do that in our upcoming Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion, and those are two very different follow-ups to that movie. Tonally, they couldn't be more different. But there's something immensely powerful about seeing Monica and Kamala and Carol together in a frame. To me, it's only akin to the first Avengers movies. And mm. seeing the six of them together in a frame, it's chill-inducing. They're so great together, and they all have different histories with one another. The great thing about Kamala in her show, and now in this movie, is that she's not unlike Tom Holland's Peter Parker in Civil War. She can't believe she's with these other heroes and can't believe that she finds herself in these places. And that's fun because we want to be that. I want to be that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, comparing the Marvels yeah. to that first yeah. Avengers team up. I know nothing will compare to that because we know how that is. But I just love his excitement. I love his excitement. He towards loves these Kamala Khan. He like does. A lot. Yeah. That surprises me. Iman Vellani. He, uh, th that's good casting. Whether you like the show or not, that's good casting. Apart from my opinions from that show, I mean, dude, imagine being a Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, she's our age, dude. Even younger. Yeah. And she is literally a main player in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Very as cool. a fan. Very cool. She literally gets to play a fan, but also be a superhero. That's like, that's a dream come true, man. That would be like if they called me to play Foggy Nelson in, uh, in Daredevil. <laughs> Uh, already a fan i'd fall on my face holy cow. i would butcher it i mean i want i want <laughs> that other guy back but uh, heck yeah yeah right all right you've also got 2024's captain america new world order with anthony mackie and harrison ford joining the cast uh 
as Thaddeus Ross. What can you tell us about his take on that character? Well, we've started filming relatively soon. I'm sure everyone you've ever talked to about Harrison Ford says this, but it's unbelievable that we've got to meet and talk with him and that he's embracing this role. He's tireless with the amount of work that he does. This is certainly a big part for Thaddeus Ross. He is the president, president. of the United States. Wow. And with Harrison, you think about Air Force One and you think about some of his confrontations with the president in clear and present danger. There's a dynamic between President Ross and Sam Wilson. They have a history together, but in this film, we'll be seeing the dynamic between Captain America and the President of the United States in a way that's just incredible. This has been a dream for years, ever since John Favreau cast Harrison Ford in Cowboys and Aliens. I was always very jealous of that, so to have him finally in the MCU is just incredible. It's like I can cross that off the wish list. So I didn't know he was the president in this movie. Yeah, that's a uh, that, he uh, revealed spoiler. that he revealed that in this article. Wow. Yeah. So that is cool. That is we, very interesting. We see the Thaddeus we saw in uh, the previous movies and go, man, how how did that guy become president? And it, it will be very fun to see that and just to see Harrison Ford in the MCU. It's cr- I mean, I'm not super attached to that role, so I don't mind him being recast. We've seen it done before in the MCU. So just seeing this huge actor play the president, and especially, I mean, Han, Han Solo, come on. He's going to be the president of the United States? I'm game. I'm game for that movie, especially because the leader's in it. Right. All right. Thunderbolts is also in the works for 2024 with a bunch of familiar faces. That's another one. We've got a lot of things that start shooting relatively soon. What's fun about that, and I sort of said this at D23, is that they are barely heroes. None of them would consider themselves heroes. When your de facto leader is Bucky Barnes, that's sort of all you need to know. That's the trickle down. But again, it goes to the amazing work that casting director Sarah Finn has done across the whole MCU. You've got David Harbour, Florence Pugh, and these people who are at the top of their game and popping in everything they're doing. They're already here and established in the MCU, and we get to build the movie around them. So we don't really know a lot about Thunderbolts, but I don't know if I'm as excited about that lineup as some people might be. Yeah. They got to get us excited about it, like yeah. you said. I mean, Sebastian Stan is great, and Florence Pugh is great, mm-hmm. and the rest of the cast, you got to... I mean, John Walker, I really liked him. So, yeah, j- just get us excited. Any, I can get excited for any story. You just have to do it right. Mm-hmm. All right. You've also got the Blade movie with Mahershala Ali for next year. How's that going? It's going well. Our director, Jan Demanji, is down in Atlanta right now. Cameras roll in like the next 10 weeks or so. Nice. And I, I didn't know this. This is good to hear. But this is all he says. This is all he about says. About the Blade movie. He says it's going well. So, I mean, if you've been paying attention to any of the off-screen antics, it has not been going well. But the next couple answers, I mean, this is almost the end here. But This, this is one of the biggest. Yeah. This you, you've definitely seen headlines for. Mm-hmm. The the way that I mean, the whole article is great, mm-hmm. but this is something that really blew up. So, oh, yeah, you mentioned Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Spider-Man No Way Home was such a huge, huge hit. And I know Marvel Studios has a deal with Sony regarding that character. Do you have any updates on when we might be seeing Peter Parker again? All I will say is that we have the story. We have big ideas for that. And our writers are just putting pen to paper now. So. We've been wondering what's going on with this thing. Tom Holland is back as Peter Parker for sure. They have the story and they're writing the script right now. So 
we probably won't see a Spider-Man movie until 2025. Long time, yeah. Good but to hear, though. When we see Tom Holland, though, I would I would think that's a little bit sooner. Yeah. I think Tom Holland is going to be in Spider-Verse. Maybe. Maybe. I yeah. think not as a bigger role, but I, I would assume he's going to show up there. But I would think Phase 6 at the soonest is when we're going to see his movie. But yeah, that's interesting. So now we know that that is in active development with Tom Holland back. We yes. know that was up in the and air. And people might be lo- losing steam for the MCU. But come on. They... When Spider Man Four comes out, you're gonna have your butt in that seat. You're it's gonna have Spider-Man. your butt in that seat. Yeah, 100%. So Spider Man Four coming out, the X Men on the way, Fantastic Four on the way. Like they're just tapping into all this. They're just getting to the Spider Man that people love in the comics. There's speaking, so much. Yeah, speaking of a character that they're just now tapping into. Oh, all right. Okay, one more. You brought Charlie Cox back as Daredevil, and now he's getting his own show on Disney+. Plus. What can you tell us about this, or tell us about his show, or tell us about how his show fits into the MCU? It's Charlie Cox, it's Vincent D'Onofrio, and they're amazing actors and storytellers in their own right. That's sort of what I was talking about with the fun, episodic television. That's really where we're experimenting with that, with Daredevil in particular. So yes, we know. Daredevil, 18 episodes. That's a lot. Maybe one overarching story for 18 episodes would get a lot. We don't know a lot of shows that do that. I mean, Lost was able to do it, but at times it did get exhausting. The the more serial television, they're not 18 episodes. So episodic will be really cool to see if they do it right. I mean, if, if I turn on Daredevil Born Again and it's a 20-minute episode about him getting his dry cleaning done, that's not going to be fun. No. I don't want to see that. But if you can give me a good, like, uh, legal drama detective story within an hour every week, do it. 18, sure. 18 Daredevil mini movies. Oh, yeah. That's what oh, I'm getting yeah. from this article. Yeah. And I am so excited for that. Oh, this week he runs into Spider-Man. It can it can be like She-Hulk, what She-Hulk was trying to do. Yes. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And then last question here. You've got a lot of things in the works. We could be here all day. Heck yeah, we could. Yeah. Are there any other projects <laughs> we didn't talk about that you're particularly excited for? So this is Kevin Feige with free reigns to say whatever he wants. Whatever. He's got an open slate. And here's what he says. Well, we talked a little bit about Secret Wars. We talked about Kang Dynasty as related to Quantumania. The only other one in terms of me personally and my 23-year history is the Fantastic Four. We sort of talked about mutants and the whole aspect to the Marvel world, but Fantastic Four is the foundation for everything that came after in the comics. There have certainly been versions of it on screen, but never inhabiting the storytelling of the MCU. And that's something that's really exciting for us. People will start to hear more about that soon. We plan on that being a big pillar of the MCU going forward, just the way they've been in comics for 50 or 60 years. So as big as the Avengers were, that's what the Fantastic Four is going to be. And I think Fantastic Four is going to be that. I think the X-Men are going to be that. I think there's not going to be an Avengers in New York. will be that. But that's what I'm saying. You're going to have almost as close to a comic book universe 
as you can possibly have on like, in New York. The X-Mansion, you have Spider-Man, you have Daredevil, you have Doctor Strange, you have all of these people in New York. And I mean, you could you could do so much there with that is, now. Yeah, the narrative storytelling of the Infinity Saga was great, but mm-hmm. there is re- something really appealing to this, having just so many characters throughout all the MCU that they can just show up and interact with our character in any property. That sounds fun. Like, I know we kind of shy away from just casual TV shows, but I think there is a benefit to having some casual properties that are in the MCU, if that makes sense. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, all those shows like have fans. I know people who enjoyed She-Hulk. I know people who enjoyed uh, Miss Marvel. I mean, you're one of them, actually. You enjoyed Miss Marvel. So, I mean, that's they're definitely there. But, I mean, Loki was the best MCU show. And that's what most people watched. And that's the most important one, I would say, going forward. Yeah, with Daredevil excluded. With with yeah. Daredevil excluded. <laughs> and it's I just, I, I'm so, I love this article. I love what he talks about, about episodic television. And I love that it's, they're going to kind of shy away from telling as much as they can. I feel like phase four was, we had a lot of projects delayed. And we got to put out all of this now so we can kind of fast track phases five and six. And so now it's going to be a little bit more, you know, every project is going to matter in its own right. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping so. I mean, we're going to get a taste of that tomorrow. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, this yeah. this article is definitely revealing. And I, I enjoy I, I really enjoyed going through this it was a great article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the biggest Kevin Feige interviews we've had in recent years. Yeah. And I mean. Obviously, anything that guy says. I'm yeah, gonna... and people are talking about it, but they're talking about clearly, they're talking about Spider-Man 4, and then they're talking about what he says about the X-Men. But really, there's so much more meat in this than what people are talking about. Yeah. Thankfully, if you're listening to this, you don't have to read it, because we literally read the whole thing start to finish right yep. now. We left nothing out. So that's basically where Kevin Feige's at right now. Big proponent of Quantumania and everything going forward, as, as we will be tomorrow. So we're, we're looking forward to to that. This is a bit of a longer episode, but the weekly episodes are are more longer. We've got a lot. We had a lot to cover. Super yeah, Bowl, did. everything like that. So uh, it was certainly enjoyable. Stay tuned for though Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We'll, we will, as soon as we get the chance, we will be re- reviewing that movie on the podcast. And I mean, it's going to be divided. So we're going to see where we stand on that one uh, going forward. And so we're, we're looking forward to that. So uh if you listen to us this far, that we greatly appreciate it. Leave a like, subscribe. We, I always forget to say that at, at the beginning of the podcast, but um, it would certainly do a, a great thing for the podcast. So that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, and, uh, if you if, can. I mean, no one's made it this far, but if you have made it this far, yeah, leave a review. Like Ben said, write it one on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we will read it on this here podcast next week. Indeed. And uh, we hope to see you next week on Multiverse Monologues. For now, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wesloff. Signing off, we all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. Fantastic day.